There are zero unique nutrients in plants that you cannot get from animals in a more highly bioavailable form. And the notion that plants provide antioxidants or are beneficial from a polyphenol standpoint is pure industry hype and it is not supported by scientific literature. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the game of life. Actually, we're undergoing a name change. We're going to the One Percenter podcast with David Nurse. Yes, the game of life is great, and it is a journey. It is an adventure, and we want to enjoy every single moment of it. But how are we going to do it? Not just what we're going to do, but how, and that's being a one percenter. What being a one percenter is exactly what this guest is going to be in a part two episode with Paul Saladino, the carnivore diet man of men. But 1% Better is about doing the small things 1%. Maybe it's thanking one more person in your day. Maybe it's making a shift in your nutrition. Just 1% healthier and doing it on a relentless, consistent basis to make yourself better every single day. Not in a way that it's a struggle to do so, but it's an enjoyment. That's where you get your joy, your overall passion for what you do and your confidence in who you are. That's being a 1%er. And we are now the 1%er podcast with David Nurse. All right, so let's jump into part two with Paul Saladino. If you haven't listened to part one, yeah, you probably better do it because it is absolutely a game changer. Paul Saladino is going to go in depth on why the carnivore diet is the optimal diet for everything, for our brain function, for our performance, for your health, for your recovery, for literally, you should just be eating meat all the time, but not just meat and chicken breast. You're going nose to tail. You're going chicken livers. I've been doing dehydration chicken beef liver jerky all kinds of salmon roe and it's great i felt great i've been testing it on myself i don't know if i can go away from brussels sprouts but paul saladino is going to make a strong case to show you why you get all your nutrients from the animals from the meat why it could be cancer preventing why you could perform at an extremely high rate by changing to the carnivore diet. So part two is going to go even more in depth from part one, and we're going to get to some very, very interesting rapid fire questions at the end. Buckle up, game of one percenters, because here we go. And certainly if people want to reach out to me, they can email me at paulsaladinomd at gmail.com. I work with clients privately. I'm happy to do private coaching for people about how to construct it. I've done some YouTube videos about how to construct it, but you know, I get up in the morning and I drink filtered water. I think most people in the NBA are going to be hip to that. You know, I drink sure. the best water that I can get. It's spring Which is, water. What, what do you, okay, go ahead, sir. I get spring water from a spring. It's actually an artesian well, and nice. I store it in glass. So I get water. It's in glass. It's not stored in plastic. Yep. I drink a, a big glass of water. And then I start – and for me, I start eating maybe an hour, an hour and a half after I get up. I like time-restricted eating. I've found that what works best for me is to eat breakfast and a late lunch and then just skip dinner. That's how I do my time-restricted eating window most days. So, for instance, today I had my dinner, quote-unquote, at about 2.30, 3 o'clock, and I haven't eaten since, and I'm not going to eat tonight for dinner. So I'll eat breakfast first thing in the morning. Well, not first thing, about an hour and a half after I get up. And my breakfast is pretty consistent. I, I'm kind of a regimented guy, and I like eating salmon roe which is salmon eggs. It's also oh, called ikura. I was just in Japan. The best salmon roe I've ever had. You got to come over there. It's a, I wish. I'm jealous. It's, Dude, it it's is, amazing. It, it's so, it, and it's different over there. If you get the really, really good kind, it's, yeah, you tell the difference. I got to try it. 
Yeah. What I love about salmon roe is that it's a phospholipid source of DHA, and we know that phospholipid DHA is more highly absorbed. It crosses the blood-brain barrier better. It's my omega-3 and iodine source. I want to put healthy omega-3s that are not oxidized, that are not in a fish oil pill into my brain every day. So I eat salmon roe every day. I eat two or three tablespoons of salmon roe. And then, I mean, it gets better. Then I'll eat like raw egg yolks. I don't eat the whites because the whites have avidin, which binds biotin. And I've actually found that I tend to react to egg whites. And people may notice this. Like egg whites are an animal food, but egg whites can trigger immunologic reactions in people. But I do fine with the yolk. And so right now I've got some really good duck eggs. So I eat a couple, I eat two to three, maybe four raw duck egg yolks. Um, And then I go to liver jerky. So I'll eat some liver jerky, which is grass-fed organic liver that I've made into jerky myself. I can't eat cooked liver. I can't do the (laughs) texture. But I love, the liver jerky has really grown on me and it's very, uh, it's quite palatable. So I like the liver jerky. And then after I've done salmon roe and egg yolks and liver jerky, um, I should say that I aim, I personally aim for about three ounces of liver a day. Um, And that's not three ounces of dried liver jerky. It's three ounces, the equivalent of three ounces of liver a day in terms of liver jerky. So hopefully that makes sense. If you took three ounces of liver jerky and dehydrated it, that's what I aim for a day in terms of my liver consumption. And then I eat steak. And I eat grass-fed organic steaks, and I'll eat a variety of cuts. This morning, I had about 20 ounces of ribeye. So, I mean, excuse me, of New York steaks. So, I had two New York steaks, maybe a little more, 20 to 23 ounces of you know two big New York steaks. Um, I cook them rare, and then I'll add sea salt, um, and I'll add a little tallow. So, I use the fat. This gets into the protein, the fat macro. Um, I'm I'm not trying to lose weight, so. I try to kind of balance my fat to protein in a day, um, about one to one in grams. So if I'm eating a steak like a New York steak, I'm going to eat that tendon because I want that collagen. Yep. But a New York steak isn't that fatty, so I'm going to add extra fat to the New York steak in the setting in the form of that beef tallow, which I just melt over the top, and a little sea salt, and um, maybe some collagen powder. That's my breakfast. Dude, that's um, like a food. dream breakfast right there. Well, you just yeah, I mean, pound beautiful steaks like that. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sold. I'm not eating another veg. I'm not eating another Brussels sprout in my life. I don't know why you would, <laughs> <laughs> especially when you can eat like liver and egg yolks. I mean, not everybody loves liver, but when you can eat egg yolks and yeah. salmon roe and steak, like why would you eat a? That's just like that's survival food, man. That's survival food. That's <laughs> you not sounds so much food. cooler like that too. You're like a straight man of the woods hunter. I know, right? I'm just ripping this cow's heart out, and I'm just going to eat it. Forget picking this dandelion. I know. Why would you eat that? It's just—it's <laughs> bitter. It tastes like shit. And <laughs> shit out of them. Exactly, man. And yeah, I, I lost it for a second. I lost I it. Said, yeah. Hey, I just said only way. Yeah. What'd you say? Sorry. I just was saying the only way people can eat brassica vegetables is when they cook the shit out of them. If everybody, if anybody listening yeah. to the podcast has ever tried raw kale, it's horrible. Oh, it's bitter. You just don't even, why would you put that in your mouth? Like, 
the only way kale is at all palatable is if you cook the hell out of it and you put butter and some kind of salt on it. I and mean, really what you're just enjoying is the butter and the salt. You know, <laughs> yeah. the kale is not very palatable. And as we can talk about, the kale really doesn't have any unique nutrients and it has a ton of toxins in it. It doesn't want to get eaten. Yeah, so, there, and you know, my point. dinner, that's the point that the kale doesn't want to get eaten. And then my dinner is kind of the same. I'll repeat, you know, it's rinse and repeat. I kind of eat two of the same meals throughout the day. Um, people can definitely mix it up with variety if they want to do chicken or fish or salmon. But mm-hmm. my dinner is the same thing. It's a little salmon roe, a little liver and some steaks. And I think for dinner I had maybe 28 uh, ounces of steak or, yeah, you know, something awesome. like that. Yeah, probably – probably about 24 to 25 ounces of steak for dinner. So I had a couple of fillets and another New York steak, and that was my dinner. And um, so in a day, I end up eating between three, two and a half to three and a half pounds of steak, in addition to, you know, salmon roe, liver jerky, collagen, tallow, salt. It's pretty simple, but, and I'll just tell people, Everyone thinks it's going to be boring, but steak is so palatable that you never, I've never, I've literally never heard anyone get bored of steak. No, I would eat it every day. I, I was going to ask you a question what your death row food is, like the last food you could eat if you're on death row. And mine would be like a super fat, juicy steak from Ruth Chris. I think so, most yeah. people's would be. I know, I that's, that's what, what it is. Everyone's kicking would be. Are you guys kicking me out right now? Do I got to find another room real quick? Are you okay? Can we, can we go for a little longer? This is legendary, man. Just say, where put out the coffee? Okay, you'll take out the coffee. All right, no worries. We don't want coffee. You got any steak? No steak. No, I'm just kidding. I'm messing. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking with you. Let's see if he had any steak on him. No. We good? Yeah, we're good. All right, we're good. Huh? Might be somebody That's walking wrong, by yeah. behind us taking coffee, but no worries. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, this is crazy idea. Like, most people could eat steak for the rest of their life. And you know what? When people tell me that they don't like meat, I don't want to sound sexist, but it's often women and they've kind of been indoctrinated to say like, oh, steak is going to make me manly or too muscular or it's not feminine. And I kind of have to work with them and say, hey, this is what your ancestors were eating. I mean, prehistoric women, you know, uh, prehistoric women, whether they're Neanderthal, they're eating the same stuff. I mean, they're not eating vegetables. You know, women, it's not that women eat vegetables and men eat steak. I mean, most guys don't have a problem eating steak. They're like, yes, I love that. But women sometimes get wrapped up in like, I don't like the way it makes me feel and or I, I think it's not feminine. And I really try and work with people to kind of change those norms and conditioning because this, this food is optimal, in my opinion, for men and women. You know, uh, there's no question about that. You know what I love too is like most people think if they're going to get healthy and be on a diet or eat the right food, it's got to be – it can't be enjoyable. It's got to be – Exactly. It's got to be this. But what you probably spend every single day doing is is changing people's mindsets, making mindset shifts for people. Like everybody thinks one thing. The whole society thinks one thing. They think this has got to be it. This has got. And now they're thinking veganism and everything. Now you're like your battle is shifting everybody. Like, hey, like this is the right thing to do. That's exactly it, man. It's it's a battle for. Um, it's a battle against preconceived notions. It's a battle against conditioning. And I think that probably at the center of it, it's a battle to just help people have an open mind. Um, because when you think about this, I mean, I will admit 
I'll be the first to admit that the first time I heard about this, I thought that is crazy. Yeah. But that, that makes it even more profound to me that now with a little bit of, um, with a little bit of research and experience and, you know, a significant amount of time doing it. And, um, you know, I've been on a podcast now and thought a lot about it and, you know, done a ton of research. It's like, Oh man, like even I was brainwashed. And you know, when I dig <laughs> into it, I think like, wow. So yeah, this is a battle and a plea for people to have an open mind and really question everything they've been told. You know, at the beginning of this podcast, you said, you know, I was eating some, I was eating some Brussels sprouts and I was going to ask you why, you know, people listening to that, they're going to go eat a salad. I'm going to say, why, what is it that you think you're getting in the salad that's so beneficial? And then I will tell you why it does nothing for you and could potentially be harming you. Um, because it's, you know, if you ask, well, they, people say, I need plants. And they say, well, why do you need plants? And the, usually the answers, and we can dig into this, or I need it for fiber and I need it for vitamins and minerals and I need it. And, and they're beneficial in terms of polyphenols or antioxidants. Those are the three main things. And I'll tell you what, we can knock all three of those down in a way that people will just like, they'll be like, what? That's crazy. When you think about it, there's no, I will tell people right now, the Cliff Notes version of the conversation that's about to follow is that there is no scientific evidence that you need plants for fiber. There's no scientific evidence that fiber is beneficial for humans in any way, shape, or form. There is no beneficial, uh, there are no unique nutrients in, uh, there are zero unique nutrients in plants that you cannot get from animals in a more highly bioavailable form. And the notion that plants provide antioxidants or are beneficial from a polyphenol standpoint is pure industry hype and it is not supported by scientific literature. So those are some pretty controversial statements I just made. I love it, man. I love it. Anytime somebody disrupts the norm and goes away other way that everybody else is going, I'm full on board. But it's also like I'm a nutrition nut and I've been eating a ton of veggies and I've been doing lower protein, a ton of veggies. So to get me to shift and I'm going to I'm going to test it out. Like if you're saying yeah, but, it's working optimally and you're living and breathing it and you're seeing results, like I'm yeah. going to have to test it out. I'm going to do it. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll shoot it back to you. It's like what what sort of things, you know, why what sort of what sort of programming are you receiving? You know, why do, why were you eating a ton of vegetables in your, in your attempt to be healthy? I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, no. you know, what, tell me about the conditioning that you had. The exact reasons that you just said before that, right? <laughs> the right? exact things that you just said that said that weren't. And like, even when you're telling me about the kale is, is defending itself, like I never knew that kind of stuff. I thought, Oh, greens, more greens. Cause I just hear greens, greens, greens. They gotta be good. Right. Right. And I think, most you know, nutrients. but it all comes down to nutrient density. Like it's about being efficient too. Why would I eat a massive amount of something when I can just get it power punched right there? Yeah, and that's really, you know, uh, we'll go into all of it for people without hopefully burdening them too much. But, you know, um, man, it, this is the case. Like I don't really think that the argument there, and I'll just say this clearly, if this is, goes back to the operating system, the, the, the vitamins and minerals that are present in animals are more highly bioavailable than they are in plants and they are often in the more superior form so if we just go down that road if we're just talking people will say oh i need to get plants because they have unique vitamins and minerals they don't and if you look at the vitamins and minerals in plants they are in the inferior form they are the opposite operating system from us let's look at vitamin a the vitamin a in plants is not even vitamin A. It's a precursor called beta carotene. In animals, it's retinol vitamin A. It's actually vitamin A. 
the problem is that a lot of people have single nucleotide polymorphisms in an enzyme called BCMO, which converts beta carotene to vitamin A. So if you're if you're relying on plants to get your vitamin A, you are you're really not you're relying on a very inefficient system, and you're converting something that's that's ineffective or that's inferior into the actual molecule your body needs. And a lot of people don't make that conversion very well at all. But if you just eat the animals, if you eat the liver and you eat egg yolks, you're getting preformed vitamin A. So you're getting the super you're getting the supercharged nutrient right there. Same thing is found for iron. Plant iron is really, really poorly absorbed. But heme iron in animals, boom, right into our bodies. We use it to make red blood cells. We use it to do all kinds of things in our bodies. We need the heme iron. That's why people get anemic when they eat plants is because you can barely absorb any plant iron. Opposite operating system. Oh. Same thing is true for niacin. Niacin in plants is nicotinic acid. Niacin in animals is niacinamide. The niacinamide version is processed completely differently than nicotinic acid, and your body has to convert them. So the, ni- the, nic- the nicotinic acid in plants causes us to use up methyl groups in our liver to detoxify it. The niacinamide in animals is much more easily used by humans. It's the same operating system. The list goes on and on, depending what nutrient you're talking about. They're all better in animals. Same operating system. I'm so there's no this, unique nutrients in plants that we can't get in animals. People might say, oh, vitamin C, vitamin C. And you say, <laughs> actually, no, there's plenty of vitamin C for humans to avoid scurvy and be an optimal antioxidant status if you eat the liver and if you eat fresh muscle meat. What they found in studies with vitamin C is that if sailors are eating fresh meat, they won't get scurvy. It's only when they eat like processed, preserved right. meat and and the scurvy, the, the non-fresh meat doesn't have enough vitamin C. But especially if you're eating liver, man, you're getting plenty of vitamin C in liver, and there's vitamin C in brain and other things. So you can even get enough vitamin C in animals. We don't need it um, at the level that people say we do, and it's it's bioavailable in animals. I mean, three ounces of liver gives you like 30 to 40 milligrams of vitamin C there for your day, and then you're going to get some in the meat. You know, if you eat two pounds of meat a day, you're going to get another 20 to 60 milligrams uh, of vitamin C. And, you know, then you're pretty much, you're, you know, humans don't even really need 100 milligrams of vitamin C in a day to be optimal. But um, there's plenty of vitamin C. So if we're looking at the nutrients, it's a slam dunk. It's not even a question. And it's, and it's interesting you say that, too, because last time I had my blood tested, I, I was anemic. Like I have the, the low anemia. And well, like that's, that's not good. That's not good. I know. And I function at a really high level. Like I have to be all the time on for the athletes that I'm training. I'll have 30 NBA players in the gym all day in the offseason. So I have a ton of energy. I mean, I, I've lived with a ton of joy too. But like to hear that there's a potential that I can, I can further optimize my life. Oh, yeah. And then like I do it like the same reason that you do it too. Like you, you heard about this. You wanted to test it. Because you're going to be living and breathing proof to the people that you work with. Because if you're going to if you're going to preach it, yeah. you're teaching it, you're doing it. I'm the same way. So this, like, yeah. being able to understand this knowledge and have a grasp and having a hold on this knowledge, this is this is enormous for me. And then everybody that I'm going to continue to be teaching in the NBA. Yeah, and everybody wants to kick more ass. You know, exactly. That's a great quote, man. I'm taking that quote. Hey, you just <laughs> want to kick more ass, eat more meat. That just sounds like a man's quote right there. I know, dude. That's eat more awesome. animals. You know, eat the yeah. liver too. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. The liver is magical, dude. And you know, yeah. I'll just I'll just mention this to you. You know, anemia can be a couple of things. You got to make sure anemia can be iron, but anemia can also be folate. Anemia can be B12. So, yeah. Anemia is often iron, but it can right. be other things too. So work with your doc and figure out what's causing the anemia. Probably in your case, it could be iron. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely it's a big deal. So in terms of the actual nutrients, not even a question, yeah. not even a question. Yep. And should we go down the fiber thing? You people want to hear about fiber? Yeah, I got, I mean, is, you just call it on your time. I respect your time. And I know, yes, you, you call what the time you got. And I want to continue to talk about the NBA players and just how, like, uh, what you see in the professional athletes that you work with and the difference that you've yeah. seen in the shift in their energy and performance too. Yeah. Yeah. But I just want to tell people I, a little I really bit. Do, about I really do want to come and spend like a whole, sorry. I want to come spend like a whole day with you, eat, you, with got you it. learn from you. Like I would just be a, a sponge to you. Yeah. Well, I know people are going to say, Oh, I need the fiber. And I'm going to say, actually you don't. Um, I did a debate with Lane Norton. People can refer to, or um, there's a lot of stuff that I've talked about and other podcasts, but I'll just give you a quick breakdown of the idea with fiber. People think you need fiber for a couple of reasons. They think you need fiber to poop. That's not true. When we actually look at the studies in people with constipation, gas, bloating, diarrhea, when we remove fiber, they get much better. So there, there are actual studies that show this, and it's really paradigm shifting. Um, I don't know if your GMs or pay players like to read studies, but the name of the study oh, yeah. is Stopping or reducing dietary fiber intake reduces constipation and its associated symptoms. I mean, just the title is completely paradigm shifting. Stopping <laughs> dietary fiber reduces constipation. Yeah, yeah. Fiber is probably causing constipation for a lot of people by contributing to overgrowth of bacteria that produce methane. This is what we call in some cases, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. You get these methane-producing organisms. They produce, and methane is a paralytic on the gut. So in this study, in the group of people who reduced their fiber to zero, they had complete resolution of gas, bloating, and constipation. It was a small study. There were 16 people in each group, but um, the, um, it was incredible. Like They had complete resolution um, of their symptoms. So the idea that fiber is needed for constipation is probably completely the opposite. There are a number of other studies that have shown no benefit to fiber for constipation. Um, and then there's another study for people, constipation and a, and a, uh, constipation and a low fiber diet are not associated with diverticulosis. So this gets into the idea of diverticuli. Uh, diverticulosis is a condition where you get an outpouching of the submucosal layer of the gut through the mucosa. This is a big deal because one of the things, one of the original hypotheses around fiber was that we needed fiber to prevent diverticulosis. There was a guy named Burkett. He went to, Aust he went to Africa. And at the time that he went to Africa, I believe it was the 60s or the 70s, they were just realizing there was a lot of diverticulosis in westernized humans. And he hypothesized that there were no there was no diverticulosis or a very small amount in, in Africans and he thought oh they're eating a lot of fiber they're having these huge poops that's got to be the reason it's the fiber that's presenting that preventing the diverticulosis when we've actually studied it there's no association between constipation or low fiber and diverticulosis and the reverse is actually been shown in some studies in 2012 there was a study a high fiber diet does not protect against a symptomatic diverticulosis. This was a study with 2,000 participants. They all had colonoscopy, so they put a camera up their butt, they looked for diverticuli, and they did a survey to see how much fiber they were eating. What do you think they found? By quartile, the people that ate the most fiber had the most diverticulosis. So, 
It's yeah. crazy. It's mind-blowing. It mind you don't need you don't fiber, fiber to poop. You don't need you don't fiber, need fiber to, prevent to prevent diverticulosis. And you definitely don't need fiber to prevent cancer. If you look at the studies with fiber and cancer, they have all failed miserably, unfortunately. Fiber has no benefit in uh, precancerous adenoma recurrence and even a fiber supplement or inclusion of fruits and vegetables, no change in adenoma recurrence. So fiber doesn't help you poop. It probably makes it worse to poop. Um, it just makes you have big poops, which means you have to go poop more. And that's not always a good thing. It's been shown in some studies to actually worsen diverticulosis. And then uh, there's no benefit in cancer. And there's no benefit for um, if you look at LDL reduction or, or blood pressure. And it doesn't actually increase the gut diversity. People are talking about the microbiome now. There's no benefit to fiber in increasing alpha diversity in the gut. This is a major misunderstanding. So really, if you look at the literature, it's pretty crazy, man. No yeah, benefits no of benefit fiber in the human diet. diet. I hope I didn't belabor, I didn't belabor that. that. And no, that's awesome. And that's what I'm saying. I love how you turn everything up on his head and disrupt it, but you do in a way that it just it makes so much sense. But it's just so many people just they hear one thing and they think one thing, and then mass media just wants to direct everything in, in a way to make money. I mean, that's why the food pyramid obviously was the way the food pyramid used to be. And that should have been turned on its head. It's just yeah. you are at a very cool place and a very cool platform of helping so many people change their mindset of what actually healthy food is. Quick break in the podcast to bring to you our sponsor, Butcher Box. My taste buds are jumping up and down for joy with this right now. It is literally the best steaks you will have in your life right here. 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken. If you want chicken, heritage bread pork, I'm a salmon guy, and their salmon is fresh and unbelievable. Free shipping delivered right to your door. You can get two pounds of ground beef every month for free, or you can enter this sweet hookup code that they gave me to give to you guys, DNA, to get $20 off any purchase that you have at all times. Check it out, butcherbox.com. If you like meat, if you're a man of the woods carnivore, I like veggies too, but if you just love good meat, check these guys out. Unbelievable. Grass-fed, grass-finished. Grass-finished is the key. They're bringing it. ButcherBox.com. DNA at checkout. Okay, hook it up. Let me know how you like it. Taste buds. Will, thank you. And how appropriate is that ButcherBox is a sponsor for this Paul Saladino Carnivore-infused podcast? It's great, and so is the second half of this episode with the carnivore diet man of men, Paul Saladino. So get your taste buds rolling, and here we go. That's what I'm all about. That's what this podcast is all about. That's what everybody in the NBA wants to do. That's what everybody in life in general wants to do. Why not be the best you you can be? And hey, you can eat really good steaks doing so, too. I know, and it just it all starts with just the open mind. Open mind. That's I love it, man. Open mind for sure. So what about as we wrap up here for NBA players and NBA coaches and stuff like they know about the ketogenic diet and some players have used it. LeBron's done it in the offseason and, and, and uh-huh. slimmed up some like would this be the the time to do it is in the offseason because the offseason's coming up here pretty soon. So would that be the time I, to get on? This I think the offseason of- would be the time to transition to this. And yeah. I'll tell you why, you know. 
it's, I mean, people are going to have to go ketogenic. You're going to have a keto adaptation phase. People might get a little keto flu, which is something you can address with electrolytes. And you're going to, it's going to take your body about a month or two or three to adjust from an energy balance standpoint. But I think that after that amount of time, people will feel invincible. You, you don't need to eat meals all the time. It's so much easier to fast. And I just don't see it in my athletes, you know, like the performance doesn't suffer. So, uh, I'm working with one of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Nice. Um, and then he was actually telling me that, uh, there's another guy on the team who's a carnivore. So, you know, you just don't see a performance decrement once people are adapted. But in the first few months, I mean, I'm sure LeBron experienced this on keto. Like, there's a keto adaptation, you know, and yeah. that takes a little bit. So doing it during the season, I bet people would still be okay, but it, it's such a big thing that it might be better in the off season. I will caution people that one of the things you find when you do this is that a lot of people get diarrhea. They get loose stool for two to three weeks when they start totally normal and it passes. And it probably has to do with increased bile acids being produced and the small intestine isn't used to all the bile acids and it doesn't absorb them right away. But that's one of the main things. And if people just stick with it, it'll pass. But people freak out. They're like, oh, yeah. man, I got the runs. I got diarrhea. <laughs> it's, it's a normal part of the adjustment to a, to a different type of diet than they're used to. And it passes. And, you know, if people need to, they can eat some vegetables in the interim and it'll go away immediately. But once your small intestine gets used to absorbing those bile acids, you won't have a problem. I mean, I'm sure that everybody in the podcast will appreciate me telling them that I have beautiful shits every day. Uh, and That's what I want, man. I want to be a super pooper. That's my life goal. Well, you know, what's amazing is that before I did carnivore, I had to poop two, three, four times a day. And on carnivore, you get one poop in the morning usually, and it's small, and that's it. And you don't have to worry about that the rest of the day. It's so easy. You know, you get Love one it, small man. poop. Because, and that's what's crazy about this, man. I'm eating three pounds of meat. And it ends up looking like a little small log in the morning, you know? You're like, wow, I absorbed all of that. This is what I was talking about with Ben Greenfield. Yeah, you eat three pounds of vegetables, man, you are going to be – you are going to make like a huge mountain of food. You're basically going to get three pounds of shit out of three pounds of vegetables. Yes. I get I get maybe like a small little poop out of three pounds of meat. So you tell me what's going on there. I am absorbing almost everything in that meat. There's no waste. Man, absorption – Lowering yeah. inflammation, the taste, just, I mean, just saying you're a carnivore sounds really cool. So you, I know, man. I think you, you answered the question by saying that you have to go through the ketogenic part, like carbs for athletes. Athletes are going to think, okay, do I need carbs? Do I have to have them? Is that a no? Or can you throw, I mean, can you throw them in there? It doesn't really help anything. I know that's, you, we could probably talk for days on that. You could easily throw them in there if you wanted to. I don't think it's going to help anything, but it wouldn't necessarily hurt. You know, people might benefit okay. from a ketogenic perspective. You're not going to get carbs. You're not going to get ketogenic if you're carbs, using carbs. But I'll tell you what, there are ways to do clean carbohydrates, right? Oh, yeah. There are cleaner, uh, and there, there are clean carbohydrates. You could do an adjustment to a carnivore diet where you just did white rice. I mean, if you take away the husk of the brown rice, white rice is pretty benign. There's not a lot of nutrients in it, but from a macro perspective, if you wanted carbs, you could do white rice, and then you're not getting any of the plant toxins or a much smaller amount. I don't think there's a real benefit to it. People might try honey. You know, I've tried honey as a carbohydrate. I don't feel like I need it, but if people wanted to do carbs, they could use honey, and again, it's like the cleanest carbohydrate. My problem with most of the carbs is they're plants. 
And yeah. the plants are just like we're talking about. We didn't even get into it, but there are all these plant pesticides. There are all these compounds in plants that are pretty toxic to humans. You know, there's this awesome paper. I'll just point people to real quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's, by Bruce, Bruce, it's by Bruce Ames. It's called Dietary Pesticides, 99.9% All Natural. People should read this paper. On the second page, there's a table, 49 natural pesticides and metabolites found in cabbage. You can't even produce these. You can't even pronounce these names. But the point is, even a cabbage plant, this is a brassica vegetable, is just loaded with toxic metabolites. These are pesticides produced by the plant because the plant doesn't have a defense mechanism. This is plants' evolution. Plants have made these compounds to dissuade animals from eating them. And humans are not really well adapted to detoxify these. And most of these compounds have never been studied in humans. Some of them have, and a lot of them end up causing cancer in rats, but we're not told about that. And a lot of these compounds at concentrations that you will find in food have been found to cause chromosomal breaks and DNA damage. And so this is, this is kind of the overarching thing that we didn't really get to, but people can reach out to me if they have more questions. But, you know, the isothiocyanates, these are like, this is like sulforaphane. It's touted as this wonderful molecule in broccoli sprouts. Sulforaphane is a totally toxic molecule to humans, and it's definitely been shown to cause peroxidation of lipids, and it's an oxidatively reactive compound. This is what you see with all these compounds. I talked about this with Ben Greenfield, even with coffee, chlorogenic acid, caffic acid. These compounds have been found to cause DNA damage. They've been found to cause chromosomal breaks. This Don't is the tell plan. me that about coffee, man. Don't tell me that about coffee. I might just, I might just have to suffer my DNA and just give my bad, my kids bad DNA. Because I know, oof, man. Well, I'm okay. an addict. As long as you know, I just want to inform everybody. <laughs> yes, like, yes. These players. I'm telling. I'm telling these players. Like I'm telling whoever's listening to this from the NBA. Yeah. Stop yeah. drinking coffee and watch your performance get better. You know, like I'm sure coffee's not doing you any favors. I'm sure it probably will, man. And like literally, I, I would love to have you on again and we could talk even more in depth about everything. You're just an absolute wealth of knowledge, man. Like I want to come sure. visit you and, and see you in person and go through a day in the life with you and I would love to have you back on. And Absolutely. I, I'll be getting this uh, to all my friends that are GMs, coaches, uh, everyone in the NBA to I mean, shift their mind on it. Like that's, yeah, let's, that, I mean, let's open some minds, man. Let's open some minds. Let's create a conversation around yeah. it. I would love to... You know, if you ever want to get something started and GMs want to hop on and talk to me, I'd love to talk to players and stuff. When I'm out there in Los Angeles, we should, I'd love to, you know, just sit down with some players and be like, look, open your minds. Stop eating plants, you guys. A hundred percent. When you schedule time to come down to LA sometime in the summertime or if you're in San Diego, come up in in July and August, there'll be 20, 30 NBA players in the gym. I can bring you over to the NBA agent's office where they make all the decisions I'll have yeah. all my coaches' friends out there. Like uh, the Miami Heat head coach is one of my very good friends. I got Ben with him, Ben Greenfield. He ended up consulting for him this season. Me and Mark yeah. Sisson went and grabbed lunch in Miami with the Miami Heat head coach. Now he texts him and messages him all the time. Like there's a lot of connections. And like I would love it for you. Like me, just personally, I would love it for you to be the guy that just changes everybody's idea in the NBA and professional sports that's like, the carnivore diet is the next thing. It's not veganism. It's it's not keto. It's carnivore. Not plants. It's carnivore. It is carnivore, man. It just makes sense, too, man, when you think about it. Like, our performance of our ancestors through all these years has been <laughs> yeah. go hunt. It's not put butter in your coffee. It's not grill up yeah. dandelion plants. It's, yeah, you go hunt and you eat that thing and you eat the whole thing. 
And yeah, it's just a simple equation. Like, do you want to eat the foods with the highest concentration of nutrients and get zero toxins? That's a carnivore diet, man. That's hunting, you know? Don't get the plant toxins. You get the best of all the nutrients without any of the toxins. Simple as that. You are awesome. All right, last question before (laughs) I let you go. And then then I'm going to send you a follow-up email with – like all the links that you're talking about, I'll put it, everything that you like. Any way I can promote you, any you just tell me. Like, where can everybody find you so they know? So, if people want to send me an email directly, I work with clients privately. I've got nice. a functional medicine practice. It's Paul Saladino MD at gmail.com. My last name is S A L A D I N O. So, Paul Saladino MD at gmail.com. I am on YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel. Just Google Paul Saladino MD or search. Paul Saladino MD on the YouTube platform. Um, I'm on Instagram at Paul Saladino MD. I'm on Twitter at MD Saladino and I'm on Facebook at Paul Saladino MD. But if people really want to reach me, the best thing is just to send me an email. Um, I can't keep up with all my DMS on Instagram right now. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, you know, send me a DM at your risk, you know, but if you really want to get a hold of me, send me an email. I'll see that. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where people can get me. I've also got a Patreon thing going, but yeah, I'm excited about a lot of cool things happening in the future. I think with this and uh, I I would love to see a team or part of a team adopted and start kicking some major ass, man. I think that's going to be the game shifter. It takes one team to do it and see the results. And then everybody jumps on. It's a copycat league in all sports. People are afraid to make that first jump, take that first step for that league. But once it happens, Bro, it's gonna happen, and I'm gonna—I'll help you every single way that I can, man. I would love to. Well, see what's that. amazing is like there's really not a lot of downside, you know. Like no. you get you get players to start it in the off season. They may have a little bit of GI symptoms. They may have a little bit of adaptation. Once they get going, they're firing. And you know what? If people don't feel good, you can always go back to your other way of eating. It's not exactly. gonna, you know, it's easy. You know, super easy, but I think you're going to feel amazing, and I don't think they're going to need carbs like they think they do. So, And even if they do, there's ways to get cleaner carbohydrates that don't have all the plant toxins, and that's what you really want is you want all the nutrients, none of the toxins. Love it, man. Okay. I'm going to have to – just two real quick questions before – to finish off. What would would your death row meal be? What would (laughs) the last thing you eat if you're on death row? Man, what's crazy is it would probably just be what I eat every day. Oh, like, then that that's I, you should be eating this diet. This is what you should be doing. This is what you love. You enjoy I get to, food. I get to eat it every day, man. It would probably just be the best quality steak. I don't know if people are familiar with Wagyu. Yeah. You know, like there's there's some like olive Wagyu. Um, like I said, I like organic grass fed meat. A lot of Wagyu is not fed uh, grass because they want it to get marbled up. But you know what? If I were eating you know, if it was my last death row meal, there's, there's some really amazing olive meal fed Wagyu that, uh, that would probably be, a, probably be that and to my heart's content. Beautiful, man. I've been to Kobe, Japan and had Kobe yeah. beef in Japan. It's pretty game changing. Okay. What's your definition, definition of a one percenter? What is your definition of being a one percenter? I think, I think it's probably being willing to have an open mind and think outside of the box outside the you know box. love it um because that's what it's all about you know if you do what everybody else is doing if you think about what everybody else is thinking you're never gonna you're never gonna get there you know you gotta but once you start thinking outside of the box and you know that's that's one of the things that's not really taught in medicine and that's one of the reasons i think it's so hard for me to be in medicine is medicine is not a field of creativity but you know, I think from my, from my perspective, that's somebody that's open-minded and creative. 
And that's somebody that's going to like contribute something. So that's cool. Dude, that's so good. Like you are literally already one of my best friends just because your mindset <laughs> is like the same as mine. Nice, I love brother. it. Like, love it. Thank you so much, man. You are course, you're literally man. an absolute legend and you do it with absolute passion and joy and you're doing it for the right reason. You're going to change a lot of lives for the better. And I'm here, I'm here any way to ever help you in professional sports and anything else too, man. Thanks, man. It's been a blast. Let's keep talking, and I'm excited. Let's do it. Yeah, and when you get down to San Diego to finally down to where there's sunshine and stuff, I am coming down there, oh, and we yeah. are whipping up steaks. Oh, yeah. We'll do it with okay. salmon roe and liver. Yeah. We'll get it, bro. Big time thank you to Paul Saladino for gracing us on the One Percenter podcast. Paul is an absolute one percenter, and he is going against the grain. He doesn't care about what society thinks. He doesn't care what other people say that he's crazy. He knows what optimizes his life, and he's going to share it. He's on a mission to help others. This isn't for his own benefit, for his own gain. He wants to help you, and he just absolutely drops some knowledge, some super scientific knowledge, too, which I'll link to all in the show notes, how you can link up with Paul, how you can get in touch with him personally, learn exactly what he eats, follow the carnivore diet, or you can hit me up too and see the little, little twists that I do in the carnivore diet. Now, I'm not going all completely in yet. I just love Brussels sprouts and some veggies, but hey, I am a believer on what Paul is doing for himself. Check him out, Paul Saladino. All the links will be in the show notes. One percenters, have a great week out there. Remember, do something one percent better every day. Not because it's painful to do, because it brings you joy. It brings others joy. Remember, things don't happen to you. They're going to happen through you for the benefit of others. And that's what being a one percenter is. Challenge your friends. Challenge your family. Get one percent better in nutrition. One percent better sleep. One percent better in workout. The friend you are. The son you are. The husband you are. The wife you are. Trust me, it will compile and compile and make a huge difference. And if you can, take seven seconds out of your life, your super busy life, scroll down in the podcast app and leave a five-star review. One if you hated it, five if you loved it. The newly One Percenter podcast, we're making a huge revamp, and it's a big-time summer coming ahead. It's going to be all video, audio, super huge guests lined up, so please leave that five-star review. And remember, One Percenters, live each day with ultimate joy, passion for what you do, and overall confidence in who you are. One Percenter podcast, David Nurse, I'm off.